Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. We're live. Welcome to Your Full of Dirt. I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me at Strobro. I am, as per usual, but not always, uh, with the Poach uh, at Poacher Rugby and Craig Gradelli at American RFC. So how's everyone's week going? It's going pretty good. 10 p.m. here on the East Coast, so kind of exhausted right now, but always down to talk rugby with you guys. Yeah, great week. Uh, I missed the show last week. Apologies, everyone. It was a busy but a uh, successful week in my full-time job, but uh, it was also a fantastic rugby weekend, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, Did you guys see the – what was it? The announcement – this was, like, not put out that well. The announcement by BC Place – that uh, I guess I don't. I guess the rugby weekend isn't going to happen this year, and there's going to be a Halloween rugby weekend, an out of window test. Canada, Boom, daddy stealing, rugby baby. Canada is stealing our out of window test match weekend thing and having it for themselves, but they're going to do it with uh, watch me daily. Um, they're going to do it with the U.S. versus Canada uh, in a BC place. As a doubleheader, the other game is going to be New Zealand 15 versus uh, the Fiji Warriors. So you'll get, you know, Fiji versus a capture but not capped team. So I guess New Zealand wants to push their brand more. And instead of just the All Blacks and the New Zealand Maori going forth and spreading the gospel that is rugby from New Zealand. They are going to deploy three teams on tour. Oh, yes. Yes. Three teams. On because tour. The, the, the rugby talent in New Zealand is just literally brimming over the edge yeah. of the cauldron right now. Would, so. all, would all three of those teams be world cup quarterfinal teams? <coughs> oh my. And they, they're, they're good enough, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they would advance it out of pool play, but the, uh, I think anytime you combine Halloween, by the way, with rugby, it's a great idea. I think the dress-up uh, drive for both of those things is well-matched. So uh, I like the idea of a Halloween test. It fits very in with sort of the, I guess, since BC Place also hosts the uh, the Sevens for uh, for Watch Me Daily, as it were. Uh, the Sevens for Vancouver, they host Vancouver Sevens. Uh, then, you know, it, it checks out, uh, which I think is cool. It's on like the West coast ish and no, the time will change. I think the time changes like that weekend. So if I'm still in Arizona at that time, uh, I'm coming back an hour. So I'm going to, we should do, we should. Doesn't do Arizona road not do, t- uh, not do. Yeah. Time. But I'll tell you like, because everyone else's time zone shifts, it changes everything for me. And like my deadline shift and all the BS because you know we I operate three sixty five uh, on five time zones apparently and um, yeah so there's that you're just but you're in like that Jeremy Barrymy spot so it's right it, it feels yeah. great on Sunday and then Monday hits you like a like a pile of bricks 
Um, or I just had um, enough bourbon on on Saturday that uh, it just carried me through for a nice slumber. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> but anyway, that's what's going on in Canada, eh? What, I guess what, do say, what do you say we talk about MLR? And well, how the- I guess uh, someone asked us, are you going to talk about the, the Marler thing? Um, I guess here's my thing. Not really. Uh, what he did has an entry point of 12 weeks. Enjoy your 12 weeks, Joe. That's all I got to say. You need to get 12 weeks? Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's got a disciplinary record. I don't think like the excess, the, the punishments after that are for like, malicious intent and less than 12 weeks. I don't, but I, I'm pretty, he's going to get, I would say, depending on, this is my thing. The, the entry point is 12 weeks. So could it get reduced? Probably. But he also went on Twitter after the site. I'm pretty sure after the sighting memo was issued and that's when he said bollocks, complete bollocks. So I'm pretty sure he's going to get 12 weeks. Um, however, I did have other issues with that game and I have issues with a lot of fighting going on at the international level. Like, why? Like, can we just, I know handbags, you know, some we've been LT, we've been about letting the boys play a bit, you know, in general, but the amount of fighting that goes on in an international game is starting to annoy me. Um, especially in the Scotland game where the ref didn't only carded one guy, like, hmm. like, that was a that was a heavyweight title fight, man. Like there was like, yeah. Well, I find fighting more. I mean, I, I don't know. To me, like throwing a punch in with intent to harm is worse than what Marler did. But I'm not on the citation committee, so I, my biggest. I I, I I I I agree with you, Craig. Like it's the in rugby, especially in this like this new generation. A little bit of jersey grabbing and shoving is kind of one thing to you know to vent some frustration, but there's there's throwing punches and there's pushing and shoving, which is just plain immature. Yeah, my uh, my. So this is, I guess, the I mean, we're going a little bit deep into this. My perspective is with the there was a scuffle, and Marler is a ridiculous person, um, yeah. character, and his he responded to a ridiculous situation in a ridiculous way, and he will get punished for that because it was not correct. And we move on. My bigger thing is, so apparently um, MLR medical teams are way better than tier one nation medical teams because I saw dudes get knocked the heck out, still play like an entire game um, in, uh, you know, in in this one. Uh, Like Manu Tuolagi probably should have been pulled out of the game when he took Hadley Park's shoulder directly to his jaw. Um, And then he ended up being in a high tackle where he didn't even contact the person, but got a red card. And for some reason, there was no mitigation in his tackle somehow, but there was mitigation in the Hadley Parks tackle of him because the arms were up, but um, the arms never even got anywhere. It was a shoulder directly into a jaw. Like that's, like For those that, just listening, Aaron is demonstrating the tackle on the video now. So. Okay, here, here we go. So here's there's Mike. Here's Hadley Parks. It went like this. <laughs> that, 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 that little thud for our, our for our uh, only audio l- listeners that was Aaron patting oh, his mic. That was the representation. That's, that's one tenth. 
That's one-tenth of what the hit would have sound like. So I'm glad that, you know, our Major League Rugby medical teams take, take this stuff seriously. But, you know, the biggest thing has been player welfare, player welfare. Well, out-of-window tests in Wales. Uh, complaining about, you know, having to play five weeks straight if – well, you wouldn't have to pay, play five weeks straight if you didn't have an out-of-window test because the apparently the Six Nations game is being rescheduled for October or something like that, um, which will be strange. But, uh, yeah, uh, crazy weekend at that level. Uh, crazy weekend in Major League Rugby, but for way better reasons. Yep, upset <laughs> city, baby. With teams scoring 22 points. To include the Raptors who defeated the Toronto Arrows – on Friday night, 22 to 19. Guess what? The Toronto Arrows are 19 points better than last year. It yeah. works, Toronto Arrows. Something tells me they're not going to be happy with that progress. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're no longer undefeated, so that leaves only the Legion. Uh, look, you guys tell me, is it just me or I think Toronto, their median performance is top two in the league since even including last year, but they like every like fifth week, they just have a terrible week where they look completely beatable and they have nothing going. And it's a very bizarre, it's not often. And that that kind of pulls down their average, but uh, most games, they're very good, very consistent. Every once in a while, they just have one of these. I mean, even this one, they were still in it. Like considering they just, in a, in a way, they got in their own head, and in a lot of ways, you know, the Raptors just did their thing, which is something we hadn't seen for a while. We haven't seen the Raptors do this really. Well, Maybe, I mean, we, we've seen them Davis? try. We've seen them try a lot of the stuff, like you know, uh, like you know, opening it up out wide, um, you know, particularly on the on the attack, but. We've seen a lot of inconsistent play from the Raptors, Raptors up until this point. This without you know uh, there wasn't you know up until this point there wasn't a whole lot of fluidity to the way that they were playing the attack. In this game, we kind of start saw them start to operate on you know on all cylinders, getting people involved. And I'm pretty sure um, you know uh, I'm you know uh, Slade, Ryberg, and Cruze they all had great games. Um, you know, ac- actually carrying the ball. There was a lot of uh, you know, dis- disbursement. Uh, you know, throughout the back, uh, throughout throughout the back row. Sorry, um, you know, and a lot of people. You know, lo- taxes, uh, John Ryberg, and a hundred meters. Well, I'll tell you what. All those people are the beneficiary of two I lied. John Ryberg only had sixty-seven, but he also had a try. So yeah. So for the team, five hundred eighty-eight total meters, average meters per pass, five point one. Three only three point six though for um uh so, so uh, for the Toronto Arrows so pretty pretty patchy game for them on the attack. Yeah, I, I mean you look at uh, I think for me the Arrows so the Arrows stayed in Atlanta and then flew to Colorado depending on who you listen to the old uh, hey you need to get there two weeks in advance but I, I think you can acclimate if you're a professional rugby team, pretty harsh. If you just, the next, I would, for me, I, I, I don't know like what goes into these, every logistics move, but I know having trained at altitude, you, what you need to do is you get there early enough you train hard and you like get your VO two max and like everything used to that. 
And then you sort of, and then you back it off. And this would have been a light week contact wise uh, for what I would think. I'm, it was probably a light week contact week in, in Atlanta, but you get there and you do a lot of fitness so that you can get used to it. Cause they, they kind of ran out of gas in this game. They, well, I mean, com- coming from the, the humidity of the ATL to the, you know, crisp out mountain air of Colorado is a pretty big, yeah. pretty big discrepancy in terms of uh, really you know, environment. We're, we're responding, by the way, to Doug Coyle on Facebook, who's who's observing the difficulties with uh, the constant travel of Toronto. But yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Even forget the environment and acclimating. I think just being on planes all the time, you know, never being in your home state, and that, that definitely wears on a team. It's just you know that was also true last week. And you know, I guess everyone expect a little marginal worse, but they played much worse. How many games did they they went four and four last year on the road? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then they they lost one at home. So they were out at home. They went out at home? Was it they went no people were counting them out at one point last year. That's you know, kind of like Craig said earlier, there's they always go through these dips in performance and then they come right back up in terms of playoff push. Like when you're on the road for five weeks straight, and I think they stopped back in Toronto for a short stop a couple of weeks ago, like after Vegas, and then they flew out. And that's just tough. But if you can go on the road for, you know, five weeks and win four, that that's that sets you up pretty good. Yeah. But and if and it's pretty well, tall ask though. If they yeah, it is if they win what so if they go five and three. Or six and two, I know. I think they only have seven games because they on on the road straight, but they have a bye this week, and then I think they play two games, and then they have a. I think they have a game at home. So, like, if you split five and two, your first seven games, then that really sets you up for a homestand, and. Yep. They're well, I mean, they're well set up. It's just, it's, to me, it's more a question of what happens if one of these down nights comes on the semifinals or whatever. I mean, yeah. they're, they're so susceptible, it seems, to just having a really off day, which is surprising given how consistent they are most of the time. Yeah, but what if they host the home semi, a home semifinal and get that? Yeah, I mean, that'll help. I'm trying to think if there was – I guess there was no real home games that they were off last year, so – yeah, I mean, it it, is, it kind of comes down to the fact that, you know, the, the cliche saying you, you you can't win them all. And, you know, uh, the Toronto Airs, they found that out against Colorado. Every, you know, a, a broken clock is going to be right twice a day. I'm not saying Colorado is a broken clock. I'm just saying, you know, its ticks are a little slow, uh, you know, a little slow at this point in the season. I mean, they didn't uh, – it's like – They got it's a It's a three-point – it was a three-point game. They lost. They lost because, you know – uh, because of some indiscipline in the wrong part of the part of the pitch, probably would have been a tie. Maybe, uh, like in the set piece, they were good. They won 100 percent of their scrums. They won 100 percent of a lot of lineouts. They even had two lineout steals. Their quick pull, their rucks. Uh, you know, the turnover. I believe Petzer had 12 points. 12 yeah, had, points. He had. He was four for five from penalties uh, with 12 points. He missed both of his. Uh, was it he? Or, let me look. Someone missed some conversions. I think someone missed a conversion. There, there was a lot of missed kicks this weekend. That's how, that's also a pretty underrated as, aspect of uh, uh, you know of yeah, week that was, five. That was strange. I think maybe the the change of ball is 
I wonder, I want to see, because everyone knows the Gilbert ball is the top ball in the world. And I hope everyone knows by now that the Adidas ball is the worst big brand ball. In it's it's got that almost squarish like head piece. Like it's, it, I, I, I've kicked with it before too. It's pretty awkward. Yeah, so, I mean, okay. So Petzer was the only one to kick. He missed two conversions and he made, uh, all penalties. So, uh, you know, good, good for there. And, but I, I think for, for the Raptors, this was important getting that win, getting back-to-back wins at home to sort of settle them down, uh, with what they're, what they were doing. And it, it really reaffirmed, uh, their shift in attacking philosophy. They changed mid season, uh, from a two, four, two, to a one three three one, and like they'd installed a two four two attack uh, after having played the one three two two, and you know they they just played a hard game. They played some good defense. They played the you know ball position game, and um, you know they they won a close one. And th- these are the kind of games that I think Toronto, because they're so disciplined, will win at home consistently, but. After being five weeks on the road, they're, they're probably going to drop one, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Spe- so speak. So, speaking of dropping games on the road, there's a team that I'm pretty familiar with that uh, I think we're going to be talking about uh, next. Had, had a habit of it. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> what happened week one? How did they do that? Well, so, no, it's it's just because it's New York, man, and we're we're going to be better than you. Week in, week out, no matter what. What if if we lose every single player on our squad and we're just trotting out Sam Beard, you know, fifteen on one, we will still come away with the victory because Boston better than you, baby. I think it's clear that the rugby United New York team was hitting the Vegas uh, club scene a little too hard in week one because uh, now you came in. I, you know, I was somewhat yeah. a, a believer in the we're missing our big three from injury. But not this week. They were all back, and the result was, uh, you know, pretty consistent with the with the game since week one. You, you, you got you got to shake the rust off, man. Rick so, Meyer. you know, I like I said, it it was disappointing. Um, you know, as usual, despite the shortcomings in the kicking game, it really came down to turnovers and penalties that we you know we gave Nola the extra chances that they got to put the Jacks out of this. You know. The, the you know the, the game itself would kind of began on the wrong foot as well because it seemed like the you know it took the jacks like 15 minutes to even get their first uh you know clean attacking platform and getting chances on the attack were actually pretty hard to come by all night no they managed a 61 percent territory rate while uh you know being north of 50 percent in overall possession you know which is even more disappointing when you consider some of the team's highlights uh, for the free jacks they include you know two unanswered tries to, to mount a comeback some crazy entertaining tight window passing on the way to do that so, you know, I, I you just wish you saw some more efficiency at, in terms of what this squad is capable of, you know, throughout all 80 minutes. Um, you know, however, despite all that aforementioned crazy passing, the tries in the game, uh, you know, they really came down to each team's ability to pound it in from the one meter. I don't know if you guys saw, but three of these tries came, um, you know, from from multiple uh, multiple phase groupings inside of the five meter in this game. So, you know, a lot of the forwards in this game showed, you know, kind of showed their mettle in terms of their... It was pretty hot. You know, yeah, ab- ability to get it wide. You needed to be a versatile player. Getting hot to be here. Drop try, Dino Waldron. Dino, baby. <laughs> Dino uh, Waldron. But, of and, course, 
Cam Dolan's still getting all the spotlight down. Yeah, there. I, I look at I look at this game and and the way that they just set up. I mean, New England really really was playing on the front foot uh, a lot uh, this game. I, I thought Leader and John Pallon, John Pallon had a really good game. Like, oof, man, he 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 played very well. Uh, I think uh, John Poland is the man. Dude. I think you're pretty much set at nine with him. I think Leader, uh, you know. New England, like if you look at their score lines, they're they're a good team. Now to get in the playoffs, what do they have to do? They have to win like nine. They probably have to win nine games in the next uh in the next eleven. That's pretty We tough. have five five of our final seven is at home at Union Point, which we're pretty close to selling out on opening day. We're actually adding more seats at Union Point, uh, because the Chowder Brigade is growing and growing every single day. So I'd say there's a pretty distinct possibility for a home field advantage for the Free Jacks going forward. And especially, like you said, the big three is healthy once again with leader Harakiyama and Bodine Waka all coming back to the pitch, shaking the rust off. Don't, Don't discount nine wins in this season. And I would say they also have five bonus points, even though their record is not great. So, I and mean, yeah, getting um, so, so um, I guess I three of our games like, now, we've got I the four, uh, the four bonus. I guess I used to say I hated bonus points. I'm sort of coming around to the idea of a points-based system as long as, you know, if a team wins more games, they don't get discarded from the playoffs. And we didn't run into that last year. Thank God. We didn't mm-hmm. we, we didn't run in. I think wins need to be rewarded, period. But um, You're becoming de-Americanized, I guess. But I, I <laughs> do like what the points system is doing, especially in the conference system right now where uh, – <laughs> where five teams in the East would still be second in the West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's 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 rough, man. But if yeah. you look at if you look at New Orleans, I they just weren't playing classic front football. Uh, their their lineout was kind of a mess. Uh, good, I mean, good on New England for getting it done. But the biggest thing for both teams in the lineout was the humidity was actually pretty high, and that ball was wet, and it was sloppy. Um, I think the the words – I chatted to Nate Osborne, and he said, the boys said it was like trying to play rugby with a wet bar of soap. So <laughs> there you go. That's I feel all like every to- rugby coach says that at least <laughs> yeah. three or four times a season. It's like trying to play with a wet bar of soap. That's all you need to know. And, it's like a uh, dad joke, you know, just with coaches. I don't know what – like it changed a lot when Holden Younger got onto the pitch. I think he kind of rallied the troops. But uh, from I thought Scott Gale did distribute the ball out of the, out of the breakdown pretty well. But his – like the pod setting up for on runners uh, to go into contact for a hit up. They were just static. They weren't coming in at pace, which didn't allow Nola to break the game line a lot in the set in the first half. And that changed, especially late in the second half when Holden younger took over. I, I don't know, maybe, you know, Nate, Nate Osborne was like, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. And they, they did it. Um, you know, like, Dino Waldron was very helpful. The, the the just the defense in the second half for the gold was better, and then uh, they were ahead. But the ice on this game was that intercept try by Cam Dolan on his birthday, turning thirty-one. Classic um, Cam turn, Dolan, tur- turning thirty. I believe turning thirty. Yeah, thirty. Oh yeah. man, adding adding a year to Camo's Camo's age. Yes, uh, Cam Dolan turned thirty. Uh, so good for him. Got a. I, that intercept try was physically painful. 
that was, I, mean, it, that was it, awesome. I, I felt it like in in my soul which is like a little bit below the rib yeah <laughs> I, 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 might have just been a cramp I, I don't know so I, I think that that win and the way I mean they've had a tough schedule oh my and uh yeah. the win that the win was necessary for for Nola to get on the front foot and we'll talk about the next matchup uh I believe they go to the Raptors is that is that right I need to look I have it on here. B- before we went live, I had exited out of the schedule on a tab because uh, I don't know why. Yeah. They go, no, so yeah, they go to Utah. Okay, so either way, they're going to altitude and they're playing another team that just won a game. So it'll that'll be a cracker too. Uh, but uh, yeah, really good game. Uh, but uh, I think it'll take uh, just another game for Leader and Poland to get bedded in together and get their tempo going. Cause I think, you know, on the off chance things were different. Um, Timothy Guillemon might've provided, uh, you know, a better chance to win just because of the chemistry uh, difference uh, since tag just came off injury. But this next game, I think the, everything will be in sync for, for new England and it should be pretty good, but moving on to match three. Uh, the Texas cup. The Texas Cup, baby. Part, part one Cup. of the Texas Cup. Texas Cup. Hey, um, halftime was won by Houston, and uh, Matt Burgess was chased down by a canine attack dog. Um, so I guess <laughs> Houston fans, you have uh, you have that laurel to hang your hat upon, a rest laurel to rest on, and hook to hang your hat upon. Uh, is that what I have? Is that their CEO uh, was run down by? Uh, an attack dog. So, um, yeah, it's this game was what, what was after I found the results of this game. That's what I just knew. My super brew had gone to hell. Yeah. It, it, like, you know, uh, the Toronto game was like the, like the foreboding foreshadowing uh, game. And then once this came in, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm getting the wooden spoon, baby. It was That's- really weird. This one with how confident talking to the Houston guys, and then talking to the Gilgronies folks, and it was just like, so what are your thoughts on this week? I think we're going to be pretty good. And, yeah, they were. Jeez. Uh, like, they didn't make – I mean, only 410 meters gained for them, but it was all in the right part of the pitch. Yeah, um, no, it, it, exactly. But 739 from Houston, uh-huh. you know, only 43% uh, in the quick ball, less than 100 passes. That's that's a pretty large disparity in a lot of ways. Um. Yeah, but they – are their previously awesome line out and their previously awesome scrum are starting to crumble. Not that the game exactly. crum- but both teams less line than out was any good. Both Not teams that, less than 85% in, in every set piece. Line out was any good. But uh the the, the Gilgronis, man, they 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 jackal in the ball, three breakdown steals at the right part of the pitch. That can that that changes things. They're bringing in the right talent. Austin is bringing in the right pieces, and you know the, the ownership change happened so uh, close to the start of the season that I just don't think the impact has fully materialized. I think you're just starting to see it. So I, I think I'm optimistic, but I think you know I, I'm almost starting to feel burned by the Texan teams in general, where I feel like every time optimism starts to gather, uh, it's quickly snuffed. Well, so, I didn't. I I did not give Austin. I said Austin, you're gonna. I, I, so I picked against him. I was like Austin, you're gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, unless you 
Like you can't give me hope and then take it away. So I'm not going to allow you to give me hope. And now they won. And so now we can at first time in 22 months. So now we can say, Hey, you know, Austin's starting to work out. And, and a lot of these roster moves like Kurt Morath, pay like Crowley, uh, I think even Will Will McGee were all really made before the ownership change. So like this is more fruition, uh, more, more fruits coming to bear from the previous owners. Uh, And I I assume McGee was because of the championship. uh, Yeah. I'm guessing, you know, um, with, with Will McGee, he probably, because of the championship funding was cut uh, that uh, since, I mean, he was a UK, he's, he's, he has an English passport, so I don't think he counts against the cap because he's English. Um, but because he's a U.S. international, it kind of dampers his employability a little bit. Um, and honestly, I thought McGee played better than Morath. Straight up. I, I thought they were better in the second half when, I mean, it's kind of sucked that Morath left the pitch when he did. But I, I thought Will McGee came on and his distribution was solid and they just started scoring more points. And maybe part of that was their, the defense was better. And a lot of this, you could put it down with that senior leadership, just a better nine. Uh, I mean, not to, you know, go on Marcelo Torrealba, who is the Chilean international. Um, Pele Crowley is a, he's, he's a stud. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we were saying earlier in the season, even that Austin, you know, play, player for player, they have a whole, you know, a whole bunch of talent on this team. But I think we're just now starting to see that chemistry develop between them because, you know, you know, like like you guys were saying, there was a lot of late additions to the roster after the after the ownership change. That you know, granted, were the the seeds were planted, you know, le, le, like you said, Aaron, uh, under the previous uh, administration, I, I guess you could call them, but. Yeah, no, it, it's good to see. Uh, you know, it, it, it's good to see them starting to put it all together. I still put their win cap though at around three or four wins because you can't have a, a first half like they did and so, be and be sustainable a, a winning so, so team. Something to think about, and this was both with Utah and uh, Austin. Uh, I think I knew I knew who the Austin coach was in like September, and they didn't announce it until he got here, which was smart. Like, but uh, like Utah announced Chris Latham, and both of them did not get on the ground until after Christmas. So that means half of their um, preseason was being um, installed by assistants. So I think we're finally starting to see um, a the talent talent for both teams coalesce, but also the coaching um, roots dig into both teams. Um, I mean. Look at just the way both of these teams are playing. Austin obviously giving team um, giving people hope a little bit last week. Uh, you know, it's it's really good to see. I think uh, that so now watching this game, what are what is Austin's chances of going? I say we put the we put the line at two and a half. I, I, I think we did, but I'm but but after this game, I'm capping it at three or four wins. I oh, four, I, I'm not four, saying they're a playoff so three and a half. We're gonna move the line. The we're gonna move the line to three and a half. Put me on over over three and a half, Ross. Uh, so Houston, um, three and a half. Uh, uh, let's see how let's see how this next weekend goes. <laughs> I'm gonna take over them too. I, I I think there's too much. Uh, I, I think there's so much parity that 
I really feel like almost any team can win any match. So I think for anyone, I, I think the last place team is going to have at least three wins. So I, I, I honestly, know. I don't, I think it's going to take another, uh, like an, at least another three games. So, so we, we've already passed the 25% mark for the season. I think it's going to take at least another three games to get to halfway before we have a realistic, before so, we can have realistic expectations about what the playoff field is going to look yeah, like. But would we said Austin wasn't going to make the playoffs. And we no, originally and I'm, thought... I'm sticking by that. We originally thought Houston would make the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think we were on the fence. So, yeah. so, on the, so number three, the three seed was the fence. We didn't yeah. really have an idea. In is, the is Houston capable of making the playoffs? Absolutely. I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't put it out of their reach with this know. roster. I think talent-wise. I think talent-wise. I mean, wise. any team in the West can make it right now, right? I mean, there's yeah. San Diego, and then are they like in a dead tie for the bottom five after that? So Santa yeah, Monica yeah. Dolphins out of the PRP are going to make the surprise appearance. <laughs> They're going to be like a, like, a, like a WWE star coming down the road. And, and then Scott Murray uh, resigns exactly and, as forwards coach and says, I'm going to go coach my old team, the Santa Monica Dolphins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Austin's going to get relegated income Santa Monica, this, man. This, and I'm all for it. This one. Yeah. This one was just, it was kind of cool to see uh, in a lot of ways. Cause the, the Gilgronies weren't disjointed at all in the second half. They played really well. You know who looked disjointed and looked a bit like they did last year? H Town. H Town. Um, and they, they looked so good the first couple of weeks, too. Uh, uh, I, you know, it's really, it looks, whatever's going on, uh, it, it looked like what went on last year. At least during the go While I'm watching games, it looks exactly the same. Um, <laughs> different people, same stuff. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I. Yeah. So, so moving, I guess. Let, let, yeah. So let, let's talk about a team that is not uh, so so much of the same stuff as last year. But Seattle falling to the Utah yeah. Warriors, and everybody's upset of the week on Super Brew. Oh my gosh, the, the Warriors. Game, so all I gotta say is John Wayne Cullen. John Wayne Cullen. JWC. So so he goes. So they get. So they. It's they're in extra time at this point. They had what was uh, it like the ninetieth minute? It was I think you know more give or take. Granted, you know what eighty eight. I think it was minute eighty eight. But they scored, yeah. But the penalty, the the decision to go for the corner was like eighty one. They were down three, and they said, "Now we're going for the win." And the next nine minutes were a goal line battle. So there was a bunch. You got to take it with a with a grain of salt, though, because we we all know that the officials' watch is never. Never, never quite the same as what's on the yeah, board. It's not. It's like I think the the clock on the television was like ninety two minutes, uh, but there were a lot of questions. It's like why did he, why did he blow the whistle? Like I, I don't know. There was a lot of questions online um, about uh, why it went into overtime. Well, as you all know, the game can't end on a penalty. Uh, Seattle turned the ball over on a penalty. It, they were still in regulation, and the, the Warriors somehow held onto the ball for ten minutes without committing a penalty. And Seattle, let me let me look at this discipline. Uh, that, that that that's just what you've got to call it, discipline. I, mean, I, mean, Utah, I don't know how you, you do that. Them, I mean, Utah got probably five penalties in that so, period. So so here you go. Um, in 
like back to these were all back to back. So these were well, these were in past regulation. There were six penalties. Uh Tucker uh not releasing or preventing release, whatever that means. Jeremy Lennartz not releasing not rolling away is what Nikki collapsing the scrum. Lennartz, a side entry on a ruck. Lennartz, side entry on a mole. Jake Ilnicki, offside. And so they like you can't come you can't commit six penalties in extra time and be able to prevent a score. Because and, at one point there was gonna be a penalty try. Like, right. I mean you talk about a penalty try in this game. Think about what it means in practice to have given up that many penalties in that time period. That means like every you know, minute and a half, there was a goal line stand where Seattle committed a penalty. So Utah had advantage, but then Seattle stopped the goal line drive. So they came up with five or six game saving stops in extra time. But they just kept having to do it again and again and again. And finally Utah got in in the corner by someone who scored a try, which was unclear on the broadcast or, you know, yeah, maybe Fisher, I but know. I don't think so. Actually, uh, Doug Coyle says Seattle may be the most dangerous team to face right now. Rooney faces them Sunday, and it will be a battle. Uh, I would favor Rooney in that one. I like, yeah, cover and uh, drop. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm seeing Seattle falter in the in the, the biggest moments of the game. Like you said, you know, committing the penalties in in the extra time against Utah. Uh, you know, we, we, weeks one, one uh, week, weeks one through three uh, in the second half. There's, there's all, they've also had a problem with penalties, and also there's a problem with slow play and you know inefficient play as well. Just in terms of the passing game, it's that they're not coming up in these crucial moments, despite the fact that their their players are keeping them in the game to a, to a realistic extent all the way through until there's just that I don't know. Is it is it a drop in fitness or is it a problem with scheme? I, I think some of this is this is scheme. Uh, we started to see them score like they they like scored thirty one points. So offense is not their problem right now. Like they they're offensively they have figured it out. Their problem is defense. There are holes in the seawall. They're not being. They're just not mentally there because they're committing penalties. And we could say, hey, you know, maybe he didn't. Like I don't think this was the worst ref. Uh, of the weekend by any chance. And he, in fact, you know, if you had already committed repeated penalties, you already know that the ref is going to call those penalties against you because you've already basically been warned by a whistle telling you that, you know, you had committed a penalty. So they did not adjust to the referee in the second half and they continued to commit penalties on defense, not not on attack. Like they weren't really having issues on the attack. And then, you know, it, they just, Tyler, they did enough. Tyler, for, Tyler, the Warriors and their attack, uh, Michael Baska. Uh, Nola Gold alumnus, uh, you know, they decided to, you know, try his, his wares uh, in Utah. Uh, he had worked his way onto the bench and then has subsequently, with Paul Tybo going down, worked his way into a starting role. And as a distributor and as a ruck manager, I thought he played pretty well. Um, and in fact, I'd say he was a big part of why they were in position to win. I know what the commentators are like, and that's Baska with the try. It was Tyler Fisher. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched the sequence of like 
zoomed in, I make sure I put it on my big screen and so I could watch the sequence like 10 times. And I was like, Baska's not even in the rock. <laughs> I'll tell you that that whole game, um, I felt the camera was very zoomed out. It was hard to see. God forbid something was happening on the far side of the pitch. I was like, I cannot tell who's doing anything out there. There's a rock. Well, I don't know who's making the tackles. That's so a that, director thing. The director should have switched the cameras. Well, I, I was just going to say, though, if if a director is unfamiliar with rugby, there's a lot of ball movement that they might find erratic. They, they you know, they're, they, they think the flow of the game is going to be one thing, and next thing you know, it's something completely different. It's also hard to kind of communicate, communicate that with cameramen who might uh, be unfamiliar with the sport. Which is why you really should be hiring former rug- ruggers to do this this kind of job. I mean, There's plenty of them out there. I think this isn't. I, I think that they're they just didn't press the right button to get the other camera angle, and it happened pretty fast. So, eh. Uh, but however, um, you know, Utah is starting to round out in the form. They're they're playing better defense and they're scoring better. Is this going to be enough for them? I think they'll be okay. I think they can probably win eight games. Um, after yeah. that, it's coalescing to be better, and that's based on the Western Conference being the way it is right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they they de- they definitely have a chance. They're definitely getting better. You know, Seattle's defense is still, you know, n- no give me on a given week, and Utah was able to put up 860 total meters, 4.3 uh, on the MPP. Um, they also uh, uh, I just want to say, is it uh? I, in, in, I, I'm so sorry. Is this Josh or John Whippy? I just wrote Jay Whippy in my um Josh, Josh starting at yeah. wing, at left wing. Hey, there we go. Yeah, your Josh boy, would be a hundred hundred five meters. Your uh, boy Craig uh, is rounding out into form. He's coming. He's coming back. He's coming mm-hmm. back for his for his Eagles cap. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll uh, but his brother was also on the pitch. It's good to see that both Josh and Jared are starting to play better for. For the Warriors, and I think the last two games, uh, no, Josh didn't play the last game, but his other game that he played, he, he had a pretty good shift as well. And this is a guy that, what, three years ago was basically going to be the guy at wing for us. And, so. and then the, the the double leg break of the Whoopi brothers was just the worst succession of injuries that that team could have had. You know, especially okay. given the seasons that they were like, you know, they were kind of. I, I think make. if they had both Jared and Josh in first se- in the first season, they it it would have been so much different. They very well could have won that playoff game. So, um, trivia question for you guys before we move on to the next game: What MLR team currently has the most points allowed? Uh, it's Seattle, isn't it? It is Seattle. <laughs> the seawall, the veritable seawall, is getting up 162 points. Most. Jeez. Damn! What? points. Right now, the t- who, what, what? What? What do you guys? Who do you guys think are the top three scoring teams in MLR? So, um, I'm looking at the stats right now. So, um, <laughs> top three scoring teams. Yeah, it is gonna in, be in, in terms in terms of average points per game. Sorry, I think the Free well, Jacks are up there. Free Jacks are up there. Free Jacks are number three. Toronto's number and two. San Diego. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, scoring yep. points matters in this in in this game. In Seattle, exactly. up thirty-two points a game. Jeez, that's just. All right. So, uh, moving at, on to 
Moving on to a crucial Eastern Division matchup. So Rick Meyer's question about what happened to Seattle. Um, Defense is just not there. It's not there. Consistency Uh, in the second half, too. Also not really not there. All right. Moving on to game five. Atlanta versus D.C. All right, guess guess who I'm I'm believer in. Guess believer. I'm a believer now. Guess who I'm a believer in? Robertson. Atlanta because Justin Bieber like has residency there. Why? No, no. Oh glory. Oh glory. Robertson and Tuzatala. Oof, man. They are the law firm of Robertson and Tuzatala. They just yeah. they they get it done. Um, they're, I think they're like maybe the biggest storyline of the season. Those two have been so good, and Old Glory is winning despite their scrum getting absolutely railroaded every week. Something we have not seen in the previous two years of MLR. A team that's been abused. So I did I did a comparative analysis uh, with Pete Steinberg today. Uh, we were talking about the attack that was like we haven't seen as like an effective attack like this i don't think that old glory's attack was as good as the um glendale attack was last year uh in the first five weeks the difference is the difference for both of those teams is the defense that they come with and the defense that old glory comes with is likely it led to two more wins rather than two losses. So, but it was like the, they are very similar. Like if you look at first five games, statistically knock-ons turnovers conceded uh, the scrum for Glendale, even though my, I, like I did not think that Glendale scrum would be that much better, but it was. Um, so, I mean, Old Glory's run right now is coming in at 68%. Although, uh, although well, Craig, I mean, the I, last, I, two games, actually, last two games, uh, 80 and 86. So, uh, the. It can't be true because they didn't have B. No, so, no, 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 I was last, just going to say. Last two they, games, 80 and 86%. Yeah, um, 86%. Yeah, Atlanta, 83% in this game. So, oh, in this game. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. There's no way the last two games could have been that. No, they, last game, they were 80%, which I thought was surprising because my eyes told me that they got destroyed. Um, I mean, they're they're getting the destroyed on the initial engagement, but at the same time, as we all know, you know, the, the, the put in rules on the scrum are a lot more favorable nowadays towards the, uh, the, the team with possession with with initial possession, at least Matt's Matt's, are we going to see a very tall son of yours in, uh, MLR? I'm, I'm seeing things on the gram. (laughs) Sorry, uh, sorry for anybody who only listens to the audio version of this. Uh, Matt Osberg <laughs> said new to Satala was going to make a difference after seeing him in pro to a couple of years ago. Uh, his son, Christian Osberg uh, is in the Oriak, I think Stad Oriakwa Academy. I think I said that right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but anyway, DC nine hundred and eleven meters gained compared to ATL with only you know just under six hundred meters. That's that. That's some production that is that, that's the kind of production that makes up for a bad scrum when you're actually moving the ball into territory, giving um, 
you know, I need to pull. Let me pull up some of these numbers for you guys to just. De- Declan O'Donnell, 151 of those meters. Too. Oh my God. <laughs> so he had 15 carries. So basically, I would say uh, every was carry it? was just a line break. Consider so consider it that he had five tackle breaks. So all right, there were 178 passes. So of those 178 passes, every 16th pass found Declan O'Donnell's hands. Think about that. <laughs> That's and, and, and they that, they did it too with with ATL, you know, by sort of by luck, sort of by skill, just jumping out to a real quick lead. I almost thought, man, this is going to crush a expansion team to get down so quickly at home, taking completely out of the game. But didn't seem to phase them. They just fought right back, and they were winning by halftime. So, so one of the things I looked at in this analysis of uh, the of of old glory and in their, in their win against Seattle, they had a 43% scrum rate. The last three games, 80%, 83%, 86%. So they've, their scrum went from awful to manageable, but the, the important thing in this one is their quick ruck rate has been 60% or better in every game. And in three, four of these games, so 60% against, uh, against Seattle, but in four games, they've had a quick ruck rate of 69% or higher. Nice. Yeah. And Tuzatala does it so well, too. It's not – some people are quick, but they seem to be quick for quick sake. Like, they, they want to get the ball and just pass it anywhere. But it feels like Tuzatala is both quick, but he has an idea of where he's going with it, and he, he is – strategic about it while also being that rapid. I think that is a big key to their success so far. Doug Coyle says Declan O'Donnell is a six, five wing. Um, three of those inches come from his mullet. Considering I'm losing all of mine. <laughs> that is fair. Uh, uh, it should definitely be pointed out. Also, um, J- uh, Jameson Fa'an, Anna Schultz, um, and Dylan Takato Simpson, also both north of 80 meters in this game. Um, so a lot of a, a lot of give and take on the on the uh, the, the back line so, for Old Glory DC. And a lot of guys who the uh, the defense really just has to adjust for. But having those kind of guys with that kind of speed uh, on, on on the outside just sets them up to be able to beat that defensive shift and put them into position just to keep on uh, pounding inside of their opponent's territory. So one of the things one of the. Uh, when I look at like look at how efficient, I mean, even in that game where they lost, uh, you know, they still had a a game line percentage of eighty four percent. They had a quick ruck rate of sixty nine percent. So even though they were they moving got, the ball, even though they got destroyed by Nola, they can move the ball. Like this is the like. There, so you talk about Tusatala and Robertson and their ability to find ball runners. They're making the gain line starting at the their lowest gain line percentage was in this game was 74%. The last two games was 84% against Seattle. It was 80 75%. And their first game was 84%. So to to compete against DC, you're gonna need a scrum that is so dominant that you can get a penalty every single uh attacking scrum you have, and then you're gonna have to make them collapse on their own scrums. And you're going to have to, you're just going to work really hard in defense so that, you know, 
it takes more phases of that quick ball before they start creating uh, attacking opportunities. It's almost like Nola last year where Nola was they, – they pushed it to a new limit of going wide, I felt, last year at the beginning of the season. They would get the ball wide so quick and teams had to adjust to that because they just – they weren't spreading out and rotating fast enough to account for that. Now against D.C., it's like instead of width, it's a speed thing. That defense has to get up and into place even quicker, quicker than they've had to do against any other team in the MLR to date. And that, I think that's what they're going to have to do if they want to stop D.C. And when a team is that fast, it makes you a little bit more hesitant to uh, commit more people in, in, into the breakdowns. So you're going to have less opportunities to try to get steals and force turnovers, uh, you know, for your own benefit against a team like that because they're playing so fast and because you don't want to give up those spaces on the outside. So, Liam, you're really about the meters per pass metric. So what is a good meters per pass metric for you? Um, so a good a good meters per pass metric I've been finding, uh, and, and also the last three years I've, I've noticed have been a little bit different. So uh, this year it's about 5.3 um, if, if you're moving the ball decently. Um, six to seven meet, meet meters per pass is 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 pretty good. I've seen some teams go north of uh, of of ten and twelve, but that's been pretty unusual. Uh, DC in this uh, in the, in this particular game, um, it was nine nine hundred and eleven meters gained in um one two. No, yeah. So yeah, so so that that that's a pretty exceptional rating. Sure. But if your if your team is around five uh five to six meet, meet meters per pass, that that at least means that. You know, on, on a per pass basis, you weren't so much moving laterally, laterally that you were, um, you know, uh, gaining territory. But um, yeah, un, un, under five meters per pass, that just means there's a, there was a lot more lateral movement as opposed to forward movement in your passing game. And then, I, so so like th- so, this is their meters per pass over the past five games: six point one four. 5.94, And now we're gonna. So, so you think that that's pretty good for you? Is yeah. So, okay. Like I said, like like five point three has been the the at the MPP that I've been seeing the most um, for, for teams on average this season. I, I'm just trying to like make sure because we had a question about this on via Twitter and we talked about um, it was about meters per pass metric is that. I, is that a measure of offensive efficiency? And the answer is yes. I just didn't dig too deep into meters per pass like Liam does usually every week until today when I did a comparative analysis. So here's a good one. You asked me a couple weeks ago, you asked me about hit up efficiency. So meter, so hit up efficiency, um, meters gained uh, over hit ups. They had, 8.41 in their first game, 6.91 in the second game, 6.96 in the third. They have jumped up, jumped up to 78.87 and then 7.23 meters for hit up in, in this game. So really? Uh, uh, so uh, circle March 22nd on your calendar. It's, it's 2020. Who has an actual calendar anymore? I, okay, I will mark go, it in my phone. Okay, if, go if you want. I will send you all a calendar invite for the uh, DC versus San Diego game on March 22nd because I think that's going to be exciting. Me too. Though I, I will say two more things before we go with the next game. I, I am a big fan of what DC is doing. I will observe that I believe they have a negative point differential at this point. Uh, so, you know, th- there's some warning signs in uh, – I think they also may have a negative try differential. So there's some warning signs there, and I, I want to not 
neglect Atlanta either, who I think is also having a very strong season. They put a strong game. I love Momsen, the lock from Atlanta. Oh, I think that guy is an absolute animal. I think he's contributing in almost every element of rugby. He jumps, and he's an effective lineup grabber. He's effective on defense. He carries the ball. He even has made some nice passes. He He's a high work rate ruck guy, so – I think he's been a monster and doesn't get enough attention. And I thought Ross Deacon's mustache was awesome. Um, Colin Mon had, had a good game, two tries, uh, really directing that that line out in Mall very well. Uh, I think my thing with Atlanta is that Scott Lawrence keeps rotating his squad. Um, I want him to start game, and I know why he's doing that because it's a long season. So if you get a bunch of guys minutes early then they will know what they need to do uh, when you need to rely on your bench. However, one thing I noticed with DC is their lineup is consistent. They only had two changes this week, and that's huge, right? Um, so if, if Atlanta starts fielding a consistent lineup, I think things are going to change, but they also need to get disciplined. Very disciplined because that's why they lost this game. They just gave, you know, uh, they they gave eighteen turnovers, a ton of shots on goal. Like, yeah, eighteen turnovers. A lot of those resulting from penalties. So, um, yeah, uh, to the final game uh, to rip Craig's heart out. <laughs> uh, New York loses twenty four. Yeah, I, you know, I, close. I, I, close. I, it was close. I mean. Last year in the semifinals, I did pick New York to upset San Diego. They first of all, New York beat San Diego in the opener last year uh, in San Diego. Uh, they had the rematch for the semifinals. I picked yeah, New York. It, really it looked really good, and like the last minute, San Diego scored a prolonged goal line drive, uh, and that was a heartbreaker. And now. This week, I thought maybe I was going to get my revenge where New York was down four and they were on the nonstop attack those last 10 minutes, pretty similar to the way Utah had that drive in extra time in Seattle. Um, but it was not to be. They they were not able to actually score the winner. So they lost. What can you do? Good effort. Then you have Slitter, yeah. Mon, Nonu playing or JSP Duplessis. So. I yeah. think, so they didn't have so like so that this is like a B team, right? Or like they don't a have Noni, they don't have JP Duplessis, they don't have Augsburger. Is this yeah. a B team? Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Owsley and Matias are enough. Like and Ferris is, I'll be honest, I've been, I was a detractor. But Ferris is playing pretty well. Ferris is playing very well. In fact, I it's like at least in the scrum. Ferris got wheels, baby. I think they're. I think Ferris is at least seventy percent Nate Augsburg, maybe eighty percent. He certainly complains to the ref very well. All he hears is his high pitched voice. Complains to the ref. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing his job. He's doing his job. Uh, the, I mean, you know, they were San Diego. Jess was undisciplined in the first half. Uh, they gave. They went up ten to zero, and then they just let. New York do their thing and uh well it was all scrums. I mean the, the, 
you know, agree with it or not, New York was getting penalties awarded to them. New York got a penalty try on San Diego. I think the first penalty try in a scrum since uh, midway through season one, when uh, everyone knows San Diego that that one night went up to went up to Seattle and gave up three penalty tries, <laughs> and that was when the light bulb. That was when the the fire was lit. And things were shifted, and we got a dominant team last year that has led to a dominant team this year. But that penalty try, that, that was a little embarrassing. Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Rochford was, was you know, boring in or, or not pushing straight. It seems like at halftime. You get a boring in penalty. After this, as soon as the first second half, the referees, it seemed like either someone clued him in or, or what have you. But that first scrum, the second half, it looked the exact same. But this time, San Diego got the penalty, and then you never saw that type of boring again. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into referee calls. They're they're kind of erratic in this game. Um, this this is. I, so I will I will say my only complaint about Mr. Weiner, Flex Weiner, the referee. Is that he's like, who's coming off? Who's coming off? I mean, the thank God that the the doctor or AT for New York ran onto the pitch because Will Leonard was knocked the heck out and he tried to get back up and try to play. And she was like, she like yanked his ass down to do an evaluation and like play was still going and it was very weird. And this is the one thing that kills me in rugby, whether it's club rugby or pro rugby is like, if there's a dude knocked the heck out, like within let's say 20 meters of the play. He was within 20 meters of the play. Uh, and uh, it like blow the whistle call time. Yeah. yeah. It was a badass too. You, you heard her voice come over the TV where she said something like, uh, actually I'm a doctor and he needs to come off. Yeah, it was it was I pretty cool. a little cheer in the team. I, I you know med, med teams med teams. Keep yeah, big 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 shout out to every to every every medical uh you know athletic take trainer charge, on every team. They, take charge and you know take care of your players, which they did. I mean, I, I had some like in that Wales England game. Not to really go off on a tangent, but Dan Bigger and George North probably shouldn't play rugby for the next six months. Because they were both knocked the heck out, and they somehow continued playing. But in this game, like, like they New York did not take advantage of the penalties they had when they had them, and part of that I think is due to San Diego's defense in the second half. Uh, and it was just close. Like the score shows that it was close. Like this was yeah. it was it was a winnable game and. For, for New York, especially when they got up when they did. And the difference was is, you know, you flip the coin and San Diego flip. I the, Do you think the big difference was the front row change? No, I just I think the big difference was Ferno. Well, f- before we get to Josh Ferno. You couldn't get a line out uh, past him. And that, you know, you're saying that you didn't take advantage of the penalty. I mean, they, how, they, how, how, how many steals uh, was it line out? Um, he, he had two, so he had two steals, but I think should probably credit him with like five disruptions. Yeah, so I mean, it, they, they couldn't take advantage of the penalties because they were down by more than three, and so they needed to 
go for a line out, but they couldn't secure a line out. So like, it became very, it was like a no win situation. Yeah. Within the last 10 minutes when they didn't have time or I mean, arguably they should have just taken the points because they couldn't win their own line out. But I mean, it's hard to play that way. You know, if you're going to just assume you can't take your own line out. So yeah. how good, how good do you, th- and then like the scrum changed, I thought when, uh, you know, Faka O.C. Pifletti and Aaron Mitchell both came onto the pitch. Like there was a big change. And I just so, think, I think at halftime they told the ref, like, hey, that watch the boring. Cause he, he just whistled it the first time. And then the New York never had the advantage again. Mm-hmm. Just, just stop committing penalties. That, yeah. Uh, no, this, <laughs> this game really was Ro- Rooney's like opportunity to keep pace with Toronto and DC in the Eastern Conference standing. They, they just kind of fell short, and like that's not to say that like, they're out of anything really? either. But like, given Toronto's upset with Colorado, this could have been a prime week for them to, you know, pull pull off an upset in a weekend full of them. But hey, they hey, they got the losing bonus point. So they they, they did, mean... you know. But it's but at the same time, I just feel like you know that this team isn't able to kind of keep up the same level of competition that they can do in like the fifteenth minute of the match as they can do in the eighty minute of the match. And San Diego is a team that can do that, which is why they've been so successful even when they're when their depth is right now tested. you just like we talked about how Toronto can will have these like will be like even and then go like this and then be even. I think that's a bit of what like I when you talk to Greg McWilliams, I was like, I said you're playing well. He's like, no, we're just finding ways to win. And you know, a win here would have been big for them, and they would have been four and one, and they would have been second place in in the the East. But now they're just third, but they're right there. They got the points. Uh, I I would favor. We'll get to it, but I would favor them against Seattle this weekend. Like they they are they played a tougher schedule, uh, and they've won more games. So I mean, they're home. And they're at home. So, mm-hmm. hey, hey, Craig, you get to make sure, the, make sure all 2,000 NYRC club members are there. Perhaps. <laughs> that, that, that means that includes McCarthy's old stars. Yeah. The old stars. I, I love – I, I Make love sure everybody's not just hold up at the pick and whistle that they're actually buying tickets. It's on you. I love you. the name. NYRC old stars. Like – do you are you sipped with the old stars? Because you're, you're old enough now. Old boys, I don't know. I played. I've played with the old boys back before. Um, you know, when I first joined the club, when I wasn't getting selected for D three, uh, old boys always take you. So I'm not. I'm not a young chicken these days. I actually went and played center. Uh, I think McCarthy was fly half maybe. Or I don't. Know, he was. He was in there somewhere. Um, it was fun. Yeah, so and then I guess we're gonna talk about our picks. That was awful. Um mm-hmm. so, super brew picks in here for courtesy, Aaron, even though uh, I didn't pick on the show. Yeah, I should have. I, I I went two and four on Super Brew, but I think okay. I went one. So we all picked Toronto. That was a bad idea. Um I picked New Orleans here. Um I Liam, picked potato. Liam likes Idaho. Uh <laughs> Also, Craig picked New Orleans here, and then we were all dumb enough to pick Houston. I, I mean, go go Ags, good for them. Um, like like we said, the weekend of upsets. Like, so why? Oh wait, man, I was better. Oh, I suck. Oh, I suck so much. <laughs> uh, so we all picked Seattle. That was a bad idea, apparently. Actually, no, they they lost by two points. So that like picking Seattle by. 
picked Seattle by a try. That's a, that's an okay pick, except uh, Craig picked Seattle by ten. All right, not, n- we, not we have three games. We, we, not we, great. Uh, and then uh, the the game where that just destroyed me because I went against this pick stupidly uh, was DC or was DC's victory over ATL. I picked DC by one. Liam picked Atlanta by five, and Craig picked DC by three. So I guess I would have been three and three if I stuck to these picks. Uh, game six, uh, Seattle, San Diego minus four, baby. San Diego minus two. Yeah. <laughs> I had New York minus two. Uh, yeah. Well, sucks to suck. You a few meters away from uh, my victory lap here. Yeah. So we're going to go to Zion's Bank Field Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. New Orleans travels to Utah on short rest. But uh, Utah was tackled 233 times, so they're probably a little bit banged up. So um, uh, so what do you guys got? I think if they play front football the entire time and they play good defense – Overall, in their system, New Orleans is better by at least three points. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, New Orleans minus four on this one, just with you know how how their offense moves the ball, and I think Osborne is a you know offensive wizard. Yeah, I'm. You know, I think the East right now looks like the stronger conference. There's a home game in the East. Oh no, this is in Utah. Well, in Utah, mm-hmm. at altitude. All right. I'm still gonna take New Orleans. <laughs> so <laughs> I Orleans by six. Going big, going big. Uh, moving on to game two. There are only five games this week. Thank you. Mm. But three of them are on Sunday. <laughs> uh, Houston travels to New England for the St. Patrick's Day Bash, uh, and. Get your, get your tickets now because they're going very fast. We just added capacity at Union Point. Go to thefreejacks.com for more information. I should get $5 for that. For, yeah, for a show. whatever. Hit up yeah. Owen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, promo code for the uh, ticket British screen. Overall, I <laughs> like uh, New England in this one. I think uh, they've just been playing tougher. They've had a harder schedule. Uh, they... This game was winnable against New Orleans, and like they were in it. And you know, uh, I, I might go big. Uh, New England minus nine, I think. Yeah, oh. baby. I was also looking at my lines, which says go big, <laughs> double digits. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, picking this one. So yeah, I, I I'm excited to see New England at home. To be honest, on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Uh, I think as, as Liam just indicated, you're talking about, it seems like a capacity crowd. I'm, uh, I, I think, uh, New England's going to have a good one. I'm, I'm saying New England by 10. Yep. And I am going potato on this one, but I think y'all know who I'd be picking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, game four, uh, also at the same time, Colorado at DC, you know, skipped game three. What happened? Game three, geez, why did I skip that? Game three on Sunday at 3 p.m. Seattle at New York. Looks like we're pretty consistent on this one, according to the script. Yeah, uh, three picks for New York. Um, You know, 
I think Seattle's dangerous because I think they can score, but I also believe the way their defense is and with what New York has just gone up against, having had that three-game winning streak with against tough opponents, against you know they played, they won away uh, in Atlanta, uh, they won in Houston, and they won against New Orleans. Uh, that they are prepped and ready to go, and they're going to be hungry. And guess what? It's going to be Coney Island, and they're going to be fed by Nathan's Famous. New York minus six. I'm going New York minus three. Um, climate change has obviously taken an effect on seawalls, both you know uh, actual and sport-related. So, uh, And the, the their defense is just sprouting way too many holes in that regard. And we lost Liam. <laughs> Pick New York, pop smoke. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll dig New York as well. Um, what do you got? Is, oh, oh, is, oh. I'm sorry, that, guys. My internet just decided to <laughs> crap out on me there for a All second. Right, so when they, New York, and... New York, the Boston internet just skipped <laughs> right out. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that was James Kennedy hacking into my system, man. But uh, no, don't, don't, don't worry there, James. I'm going. Uh, New York minus three in this uh, in this game versus Seattle. Yeah, I, I have bad memories last year when Seattle came to MCU, uh, but this is also New York's home opener, so uh, I, I think they will also benefit from that. And I'm and I yeah, St. Patrick's Day is no is no small thing here either. So I'm going to say uh, New York by seven. Game four, Sunday, three p.m. Eastern, Colorado at DC. Who do you guys have? These are, your, uh, these are your clone teams from last year to this year, Aaron. Yeah, pretty much. DC minus six. They're going. Uh, they're, they're going to take it despite the deficiencies in the scrum. They're just able to get it out wide a little bit more consistently than uh, than Colorado, who, despite the fact that they were a little bit more put together this past week, still have some some questionable deficiencies on, on moving the ball. So yeah. Once again, I agree. I think uh, of all the teams that's not going to punish Old Glory for their scrum shortcomings, Colorado is probably the least likely to, to be able to gain an advantage there. Uh, and it's in D.C. And again, I, I just think the East, you know, in, in a toss-up situation, I, I'm leading towards the East right now. So I'm, I'm going to say D.C. by eight. I think, you know, Colorado really doesn't have their halfback pairing set and – right now and i think that's not really helping them in a lot of ways they have weapons but uh the weapons in dc are just better like so i'll go with the home team minus seven Uh, and then the nightcap at 9 p.m eastern uh we've got san diego traveling to the gilgronies i suspect we may end up with all the same picks here uh i i yeah i mean come on San Diego, it looks untouchable. Uh, Austin had a big win this week, but I, I don't see them following that up by by taking down the last undefeated team. I think they'll uh, look yeah, respectable we, we, by scoring points, but I think they'll lose big too. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think we need to over- overthink this one a whole lot. I'm going to go um, Matt, San, Matt's San, Diego, San Diego minus 18. Matt's Interesting, Oscar. Matt. Interesting. Ags for the win, huh? Interesting um, point. Uh, yeah, I'm taking San Diego minus 15. We'll go with uh, like 30. Let's go with like 38, 23. 
you know? Um, yeah, I'm digging really, my 12. We didn't really get a lot of questions in – or hang on. Actually, don't make me lie. We did get questions on Facebook. We didn't get them on Twitter. Uh, so. will, the, will will Nola Gold make the playoffs coming so, from Carter DiMaggio? Uh, um, in this Eastern Division right now, that's pretty hard to say. Uh, you know, obviously, know. Nola's attack is 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 pretty uh pr- pretty poignant right now. Distinct possibility, but I'm also going to uh, refer to what I said earlier in the show and saying that I don't think we're going to have a realistic uh you know view of what the playoffs could potentially be until the season's halfway point. I think the playoffs in the East are tight, like. I really don't know who's going to be in the playoffs. I think maybe I, I am like when it comes to DC, the way they're playing, I'm believing in DC. Uh, however, it is so tight. I have no idea, but in the West it's, it's San Diego and then two other people. <laughs> both, both conferences are very hard to predict the playoffs because they're all t- very tightly grouped. Just happens to be that East is very tightly grouped high and West is tightly grouped low. But, uh, you know, distinguishing amongst them is still difficult. Uh, I I don't think Noel's going to make the playoffs in the East, if you ask me right now. Uh, I mean, they certainly could. They're definitely going to be in the contest, but um, yeah, I just I, I think the other I think there are other teams in the East that have better tools. Uh, Jeff Kennett is asking us. I know anything about the new Legion tighthead Lua Lee? Uh, do you have a uh, a link? I haven't seen anything. Let's. Uh, Nor have I. He's uh played for the Blues in Super Rugby. I, I like. I don't even know if he's he's with. Is he with the? the I, I haven't heard anything about I, him I, coming into camp, but I, that's that's a. I'll ask around, Jeff. Uh, but I haven't heard anything about him. Um, so, but he played for. He has at least one cap with the Blues in Super Rugby in 2019. So he's probably pretty good. Yeah, um, but the questions on the oh man, you guys like I went I, I went in search of all these children, but you went in that. search of all these children. Sorry, repeat yourself there, but <laughs> no, like I, I, I have evidence of this. I had the one page with all of our questions pulled up, and I went and typed in that browser. Uh, Mistakes were made, as they said. Nicholas Sarabia, when will the league have TMO for every game? Um, when we have the money. Expensive, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I have, I am at this point. Like when it comes to TMO, I think it would be it would be helpful, but the amount of money it costs for every game. Um, Honestly, I don't even care at all. We don't have TMO. I think especially, it's fine. especially with the refs talking to each other a lot more this year. It's been better. Uh, the, I think in the first two years without TMO, they didn't talk uh, to their to the ARs at all. I mean, you watch, you know, European rugby or Six Nations or whatever with with these now nonstop TMO reviews, and everything is watched in slow motion from a hundred degrees, and it just I feel like they're not getting better outcomes like now you just have a weirder debate it's like well his shoulder grazed his chin is this a six-week red card or no penalty i mean you know it's it, it, i'm fine without a tmo 
I could live without it for the rest of my rest of my days. You you say that until there's like a near try for New York in the playoffs or something like that, where you know whether or not the grounding is is legitimate. Yeah, no, no, nobody likes like nobody likes extensive replays until it's in their favor. Ball, take, ball take a Patriots fan, man. San Diego scrum and they scored a try, and I'm quite confident TMO would have overturned that. But I'll I'll take I'll take that try without the nonstop TMO reviews. Uh, so, Alex, I'm going to butcher this. Rabbit Chuck, um, since Austin had a tie with Utah and Utah beat Seattle, does it mean Austin is now better than Seattle? <laughs> Transitive winning. I mean, they're only, one, they're only one table spot apart in a they quarter of the season. We will so. find out very shortly. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that question is almost asked in an ironic way, but I don't, I don't think it's out of the question they finish ahead of Seattle this year. In, in the next three weeks, that could be a very legitimate question. Yeah. How awesome are the Utah Warriors? Um, they're pretty awesome. This uh, awesome. Waldrop. <laughs> so, uh, Rick Meyer, is Seattle in trouble? Yep. No. Yeah. 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 I. I yeah. Because they're one and four. I don't know. We don't really know what the playoff picture is in the West, but to get a two seed, they're going to need to win at least 11 games. At least yeah, 11 games. They're, they're definitely not a bad team, but the hole that they've dug themselves in this early in the season is going to be uh, pretty, pr- pretty hard to climb out of. And their biggest problem is they didn't get bonus points. Um, if, if they had lost and won a bunch of bonus points, it would have been a lot better for them. We wouldn't be able to say, hey, this. Uh, however, uh, it's, you know, Matt's Osberg asks, when will the league import Georgians so we can learns learns to scrum? Uh, <laughs> I, I think importing Georgians that are uncapped and not in a French professional league is not really uh, – it's impossible, uh, to be honest, with the way visa restrictions are going. Um, if you – you're going to need professionals, and they're probably going to have to be capped by Georgia. That's that's the way this thing is going. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're happy to take your questions if you want them on the Facebook uh, at the Strobro on Twitter, at Earful of Dirt, at Poacher Rugby on Twitter, at American RFC. Oh, please leave us an iTunes review glowingly with five stars because it's been <laughs> a while uh, since we not, – not since we got a rating, but since we got a review. Also, since uh, the Eastern Division, uh, our home games are about to start, make sure you guys are tagging us on any pictures, videos, or thoughts you uh, you have of, of the games going on over the weekend. We would love to hear them. You might even get a repost, a retweet, and a shout-out. Also, if you want to sponsor the show, please do that, too. Yeah, hit us in yeah. the DMs on that one. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby.